Can we uh, can we talk about the infinity bottle? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Fascinated. podcast i am your host danny paul with me as always is the vice host leon coventry leon danny happy thursday happy thursday sir how are you amazing it's the first day of masters it's like it's a holiday for me i know i noticed you're wearing your green shirt with the uh yellow country with the flag on it (laughs) this is true and uh and i got stuck today in my arm in the name of the well-being of all humanity well done sir just waiting for the side effects to kick in. Hopefully the bourbon will uh, wipe that out. It's good. This is war, my friend. War. <laughs> I got a guest with me today. You do? We, we talked about it last week. I was going to ask Hi. you what a pretty lady was sitting beside you. She's obviously not the server. <laughs> no. Triple B in the house. It's about time. We've been talking about you a lot. Triple B. Here I am. Yay. <laughs> You're welcome. So we're in the midst of a quasi-celebrity. We have a social media influencer joining us for this episode this evening. How are you doing, B? I'm doing great. How are you? I want to commend you on your photography skills. Your Thank account you. is tons of fun. It's it's been fun to get creative. It's something that's mine. Creative you are Without for a four-year-old. Sure. I'm just amazed how quickly it's been taken off because what's it been like? A month? No, how long? Three months. A couple of months. I kind of started the account whenever we start our trek from Ohio to uh, California. But what's the account name? Uh, Busty Bourbon Batch. And that's why we call you Triple B. Yeah. Yeah. And today someone asked me what Busty meant. I didn't even feel the need to respond to that. Read the room. <laughs> Read the room, Ron. Read the room. Well, welcome. No. It's nice of you to have an extra guest today. Usually Leon and I ride solo on this, but we have a couple of different topics that we want to bring you in on. We also want to give you a shout out to your Instagram page, Busty Bourbon Batch at Instagram. Check her out. Check out all of her pictures. She has a wonderful composition with color and light. And apparently the brands are contacting you now. So congratulations, sister. That is awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And you're part of an elite club now. Oh, yes. The, uh, the Bourbon Thieves. Yeah, this is a fun, yeah. fun organization. It's a it's inside the bourbon world. Yeah, tell us all about. I, I I'm still learning myself. It's just lots of fun pictures and more bourbon. Bourbon people talking to bourbon people about bourbon. About bourbon. It's a novel concept. What's what's your brown today? My brown today is one of our early knockouts uh, from the bracket. I'm going to do some classic maker's mark today. As I was peeling off the top of the Knob Creek single barrel going into our round four today, I realized that I hate these waxy tops. And I actually took a pair of scissors to it to cut off all of the wax because I don't need it in my life. (laughs) And then I saw the makers in the cabinet and I thought, well... 
since I killed one wax, I should at least give a little bit of love to the other wax. So I'm doing a little bit of classic maker's bourbon tonight. What about you, sir? What's your brown? I am sharing brown with Triple B over here. With a straw. Uh, we're doing we're doing a barrel today. One of the private releases and I'm showing it right now and I interrupted her while uh, oh, yeah, it's very distracting. I'm like a oh barrel. Squirrel. Yeah. Yeah, barrel whiskey. Usually you find it in the locked cabinet if yes. you if if it's anywhere. I did need a key for this. And this one is also a Bevmo selection. So hmm. something I've learned recently is that there's actually special selections for stores uh for different types of bourbons and so it makes it even more special and they do label the bottles here so we are drinking blend 016 or no that's the bottle number blend is bh31 whatever that means and 016 it's 116 proof and uh it's this is a private release beautiful bottle they have they have really good simple branding uh but they're definitely, uh, I don't know that they're even an up and comer because they've been around a while, but they they're are. known for their finishes. Yeah. The barrels have different finishes and this one's, um, I just took a drink and feel that proof. This one's an Oloroso sherry. A sherry finish. So that's similar to the port barrel finish of Angel's Envy that's right now in the finals. Inexplicably. And on no top of that, way. I'm going to be, I'm no going to be finishing. I thought that would make it to the finals. <laughs> no way, no way. But I will say that uh, I'm also going to be finishing off everything I didn't drink in the bracket challenge. So if any, I start slurring uh, my words heavy by the end of like this, last time, yes, they're all heavy pours. That's what I'm saying. If I <laughs> if I start slurring by the end of this show, I got Triple B to pick me up off the floor. Uh, oh no, he's just going to sleep on the floor. <laughs> I'll give him a pillow, maybe a blanket, but it's California. So you really don't need a blanket. That's love. Okay. Then let's bust into our Brown news. news. Brown news. Ah. Today's Brown news comes to us from the whiskey advocate. We're going to talk today about the 10 highest scoring whiskeys from the spring 2021 buying guide. We're going to be looking at 10 different whiskeys here. And I want to take a special note here, Leon, and call out the fact that Whiskey Advocate has actually given us a wide variety. So we're looking at one of these is about $185. One of them is about $340. And one of those $450. So these are not the 10 highest scoring whiskeys that you're likely to buy and kill in a weekend. I want to make that noticeable. Uh, of the okay. remaining seven, I calculated we're looking at about $67 per bottle on average. So we'll go through those and I'll mark the ones that are expensive and not expensive. Uh, starting with the top in no particular order. These are from Whiskey Advocates Spring 2021 issue. Have you ever had George Dickel, 15 year old single barrel Tennessee whiskey? I, I never had that that particular one. I have had Dickel before, but I, I, that's it's very specific. Uh, please don't cut that up later. That could be disastrous for me. <laughs> I have the maturity level of an eighth grader. <laughs> I know that when I say something and Triple B starts snickering, that that could be taken out of context. He said Dick. <laughs> well, you're going to love the first sentence then. This has Dickel's distinctive oily grain aroma. I love the alliteration. Best of times. 
95 points scored, 52.3% alcohol by volume. This bottle comes in at $60. Packed with corn and peanuts. Again, we're going down a hole here. And also sweet with brown sugar oatmeal and maple candy. Add a little water and voila! Orange peel and Luxardo cherry appear, creating an instant old-fashioned. Palate is chewy and full-bodied, pepped up with cinnamon and dried ginger, and lengthened by grape jelly, Coca-Cola, corn nuts, and dried cherries. A full and lengthy finish sings with ginger, peanuts, and chocolatey oak. What the serious fuck was that? Uh, <laughs> that was quite a description. I, I don't know if uh, half of that belongs in bourbon. Maybe we got to end the show now. I mean, how do you top that? Uh, taste of fruity pebbles with cinnamon toast crunch. You can't combine those. You can't combine those. <laughs> Who said I can't? Bitches need to recognize. <laughs> I never know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> All right. Number two. Glen Scotia, 10-year-old Bordeaux wine cask finished Campbelltown Malts Festival single malt scotch. So again, not necessarily a whiskey from any particular country here, which I like. I like that we get a little love outside the country. 2020 release, 94 points, 56.1% alcohol by volume. And this one kicks up to about $80 a bottle. A deft use of Bordeaux casks beautifully showcases Glen Scotia's inherent density and amplitude. More of an aristocrat wrote this one. Raspberry ripple ice cream with butterscotch sauce, strawberry jam, tiramisu, toffee, and cigar wrapper on the nose. Probably could have left off that last part. Very specific. The full thick palate is sweet with raspberry and strawberry jam, black currants, candied ginger and orange peel, tempered by dark chocolate, pecan pie, gingerbread spices, and a touch of tobacco. It remains mouth filling on the finish with jammy berries, orange oil, spices, salinity, and integrated oak. Ironically, the same reviewer that did the last one did this one. So what happened? Oh, look who's made the list. Oh, a friend of yours. Oh, look at this. Oh, that's oh, exciting. Yeah. All right, let's burn through number three then. Aaron, A-R-R-A-N, Sherry Cask, the Bodega, Cask Strength, Single Malt Scotch, 94 points, 55.8% alcohol by volume, $80 bottle. The nose leans sweet with dulce de leche and dark berry jam, but it's countered with dark chocolate, dried rose petals, and a faint whiff of talc. Pause for a second. A faint, a taste, a faint taste of a whiff of chalk? Talc. I mean, talc. Yeah, oh, like, like baby powder. Yeah, for reals. Yeah, that's what I want in my the palate. Is in my thick drink. with raisins, figs, candied ginger, orange peel, Concord grape jelly, rose oil, cocoa, and peppery spice. While the lengthy finish has persistent white pepper, dried ginger, chocolate, and burnt citrus. Dense with flavor, thanks to its total sherry cask maturation. Give it time to fully reveal its depths. I got to give these reviews time to reveal their depths. This is this is an interesting lady here. All right. Uh, you notice that number four is familiar to you. You want to take this one? Yeah. Barrel cask strength. Is that one that we have? Uh, we have batch 27. This one's batch 26. Oh, so we're close. Within the same um, family. Definitely within the same family. And that's saying it's rich. Can I do it with my... Uh, yeah, do your announcement voice. Be sexy. My... <laughs> give me your best Idris elbow. I don't know that those two go together. <laughs> you stop that. You give the man a chance. A rich and fragrant nose <laughs> of mince pie. So you skipped announcer. <laughs> Baking spices, figs, cherry pie, and sweetened ice tea. Candle wax. What? 
and an earthy note of where of a warehouse floor. What the hell? Who wrote this? Yeah, there's that's no what way that's what this tonight. tastes like. Yeah, warehouse like. floor. You think it tastes like a warehouse floor? Can sense the earthy tones. Yeah, all right. That's a, it's quite a description. That was a, that was a euphemism. Floor. Nicely done. Yeah, it's got some raspberries, cooked cherries, honey, honeyed almonds, licorice, and black tea. The water unlocks a more fruit notes. A hint of cafe a lot. I don't know what that is. Cafe And the finish is lengthy, offering a dark chocolate, allspice, licorice, and balanced oak. What we are experiencing when we drink the barrel is, hmm, that's good. Whoa, fire. That's what, that's what I'm feeling right now. How about you? It's delicious. It, it is delicious. And you, I would say that Triple B's palate is already far surpassed mine because... She she tossed all water and ice out of her glasses about two or three weeks ago because she needs to be a purist. Oh, so. I'm sure. Well done, lady. I just really like it. <laughs> so it that was the delicious. first uh, different reviewer than the previous three. Uh, we get a different take on that one. Uh, Going to get down to number five, which is Chichibu Ichiro's Malt Peated U.S. Edition. Japanese single malt, 93 points, 55.5% alcohol by volume, $340 a bottle. Pretty typical what I've seen of really good Japanese whiskeys is the price goes up, usually because supply and demand. Uh, let's get down to number six, Deanston. No picture. 12-year-old single malt scotch, 93 points, 46% alcohol by volume, $60 bottle. Ever heard of Deanston, which they didn't bother to include a picture? They've never even heard of Deanston. They can't even find a picture. So how are and we going to? Well, it's the same, uh, the same reviewer who gave us the very colorful earlier reviews here. Feels uh, a the, bit mailed in. That's all I'm saying. The body is silky and pleasurable. It finishes with dried ginger, tobacco, mocha, and savory oak. Nuanced and perfectly balanced. Just not perfectly balanced enough for a picture. Moving on. Glen Kadam. Glen Kadam. 25-year-old single malt scotch. 25 years, for real. How many of those bottles do you think they made? I mean, you, you got to think that, you know, when these things are aging in the bottle, they lose so much of a percentage. I wish I knew it off the top of my head. Do you remember yeah. what they said over there? But by the time you get past, like, 16 years, you've already got a half a barrel or less in there because, you know, the angel's cut has already been taken. It's all It's in the ether. So... There's not a lot of bourbon or whiskey or anything left in the barrel at 25 years. So I, I would, I can't imagine there's that much out there. Well, it's got to be why it's $450 a bottle. Uh, same eccentric lady given the review. The finish is lengthy and complex, yet with soft orange marmalade, dark chocolate, coffee bean, dried cherries and ginger, and tobacco. There's a lovely delicacy among layered complexity. Next one up is Loch Lomond, 18-year-old single malt scotch, 93 points, 46%, $90 a bottle. Sherry dominates the nose. That's how they open that one up. You guys heard of Loch Lomond? Nope. I have Notice how popular Sherry at, is in all these. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting choice. Uh, I've seen Loch Lomond at uh, Bevmo. But this is an 18-year. Then we have is that running for 70 bucks? This How much one, was that? Uh, Loch Lomond's coming at 90, $90. So on the on the higher end of the middle. Okay. Coming in next is Thomas S. Moore, Port Cask Finished Bourbon, 
93 points, 49% alcohol by volume, $70 bottle. The port casks give an arresting nose of saline, like a tidal pool, but rich with raisins, figs, hazelnuts, brown sugar, and orange peel. Uh, probably takes a page from Jefferson Ocean's playbook with that kind of salty feel. Uh, bonus, Thomas More Chardonnay cask finished bourbon. So I guess they got a couple of different flavors here. Rounding out the last of the 10 is Fourgate Split Stave by Kelvin Cask Finished Rye, Batch 10. So a rye whiskey. 93 First points. First one to make the list. 56% alcohol by volume. $185 a bottle. Lush cooked dark fruit and dark chocolate aromas mingling with baking spice earthen <laughs> earthen floor <laughs> leather <laughs> leather and iced tea in hint at what's to come on the palate chocolate covered cherries blackberry jam a sweep of ginger spices plus fresh mint and zesty dill all with ample depth I don't know that I want to try this one I feel like she's also a romance novel writer. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. She's got three a names. Quivering member. Spring 2021 buying mm. guide, whiskeyadvocate.com, 10 highest scoring whiskeys, spring 2021. Huh? You think they know what they're talking about, whiskey yeah. advocate. Let's hope so. All right. Magic 15. If you've got any experience with any of these, let us know. You can email the show at bottleofbrown at gmail.com. You can leave an email for Danny. You can even email for Leon. You can refute anything we say in the show or give us ideas for content. We'd love to hear from you. I think that wraps up Brown News. Brown News. Brown News. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's get into headlines. All right, we have a special guest today, so I'm going to cut the headlines short. We're going to do this one from theguardian.com. In their food section, March 1st, this sauce will change your life. 30 brilliant condiments to transform your tired lockdown dishes. So this one is dated on the 1st of March, 2021. So this one's over a month old. But this one interested me because there's a lot of interesting sauces on here that I want to try. Some that I've never seen and some that I have that I never thought I would see again. The one that we always seem to see here, if you can look at the picture here, is the Cristal hot sauce. That's like a cruise ship staple, right? <laughs> Well, I think it belongs in every rapper's refrigerator, or is that a different one? That would be the one with bubbles, I believe, but why not oh. go with the Cristal? <laughs> so there's a, a couple of different ones here. We're going we're gonna to pick some random ones because we don't want to go over all 30 of them. We want to see if we can save some time here. Are you uh, big hot sauce guy, Danny? I, I love hot sauces. I'm probably the hot sauce guy to your bourbon. So I will go out and find different hot sauces and I will try them on everything. Are there rare uh, ones? I put hot sauce on eggs. I put Tabasco on pizza. I am a fiend when it comes to the spicy shit. Uh, If you, if you touch it and then you can't touch your eyes, that's kind of like the starting point. Wow. Triple B. What's the one that you like so much? It's from San Francisco. I think it's Mama Lupita. Mama Lupita. I don't 
It's it's a it's delicious. Mamalopita might be in the, in the running here. Let's uh, let's run them down here. Laogan Ma preserved black beans in chili oil. It's condiment crack. Agrees James Cochran, who runs the fried chicken takeaway around the clock at his London restaurant. Interesting way to say it. Well, what do you, what do you, how do you, how do you eat it? Like black beans? What are you putting the black beans like on tacos and they're flavored because they absorb the chili oil? Is that the you know, deal? What it says here is it's, it's preserved black beans inside the chili oil. So you get that nice, deep, kind of rich, earthy tones. Uh, soft texture that you get from the black beans, but then you infuse it with the oil. So it's like black beans by themselves are probably not that interesting, but if you throw in a little oil kick, like that'll just dance around your mouth for a little bit. I would try it. It sounds disgusting. All right. Okay, moving on. <laughs> no we more get, debate. <laughs> uh, XO sauce here created in Hong Kong in the 80s. This outrageously savory cooked relish thick with dried scallops, shrimps, and ham has become a hot trend among UK chefs. Many playing provocatively fast and loose with the ingredients. That's interesting. Uh, Mujdi in Romania, this simple garlic dressing, five cloves crushed with one teaspoon of salt. That sounds good. Yeah, that does sound good. Haitian mamba peanut butter from burger topping and fruit dip to East Asian noodle dressings. The world uses peanut butter in many ways beyond spreading it on toast. Uh, You guys ever go to Slater's 50-50 and get the peanut butter and jelly burger? No. I don't even know where that is. I've never heard of it. Put it on the list. Where where do you, where does one find a Slater's? There used to be one over on uh, El Toro road, right by the freeway. Okay. Back with that little tiny building way in the middle of the parking lot. that used to be a variety of different dance clubs. It was eventually a burger joint. I think the only one left is in Fullerton now, but you'll check it out. Talk to Gabby. Gabby will give you the rundown on Slater's 50, 50, but a peanut butter and jelly burger is to die for. I I mean, I'll try it. Doesn't Bo-reals. sound good, but I, I'll try it. He'll back me up. But are the French fries good? I would say so. Okay. Because so. that's all that really matters. Well, the burgers are this big and they serve it to you with a knife through the center like King Arthur's sword. Uh, let's see, sambal. Several hundred fresh or cooked variations of this thick sauce, most commonly found in Indonesia, Malaysia, and Singapore. Vibrant heat, big flavors, salt and vinegar or lime. Well, that's that's hitting my palate. Mango tamarind. Uh, Shito from yes. Ghana. Do you know this one? No, but it's an awesome name. Because shit's in it. <laughs> <laughs> this tastes like shit. Nope. So it's a, West, it's a West African answer to EXO, the one we talked about earlier. Acha masala. Acha spice mixes are used in mango and carrot pickles. Okay. Use the kushol. A smidge of this fermented yuzu fruit, salt, and chili paste elevates any protein, like a pinch of salt, but with the most intense citrus. I got to try that. Why Why did I never have that when I went to Japan? Yuzu kushol. Say, is, is that a thing in Japan? Because you spend a lot of time there. A lot of in spicy the, foods. In the north, they do not. But in the south of Japan, down by uh, Osaka, all the way down to Nagasaki, they have a lot of Korean influence. So spicy food is, is a Korean influence. By the time you get north, they make it bland because, ew. Which is interesting because you're closer to Korea. Yeah, I mean, the I like irony that. of the, the, the country, the country of Japan kind of bifurcates like California. There's a lot of California similarities to Japan. Like uh, the, the escalators run on different sides in Osaka as opposed to Tokyo. 
That's uh, fascinating. Weird, weird, weird things. Uh, Truff hot sauce. Oprah likes it. Samyang hot chicken flavor sauce. Korean. Walker's wood jerk marinade. Fast acting Jamaican jerk seasoning. You like Jamaican jerk? Love it. Love it. Triple B and I did a, uh, a, a quick cruise over in Jamaica. Well, it was one of the stops. And what was it? Red Stripe Beach? Yeah. And we had the... Uh, the jerk chicken they were delivering to us. Mm-hmm. That was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was the trip where I accidentally got him the best anniversary present ever and got him a shirt that said best husband ever. And literally 100 people stopped us to tell me that my husband had their husband's shirt over <laughs> and over and over and over again before we even got on the like, ship. I will never wear this shirt again. He wore that shirt for three hours <laughs> and never wore it again. No way. Go Great joke. Real quick, huh? Great joke, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chef Mama Z's banana ketchup. You guys ever have banana ketchup? I, I hate bananas, so that's a oh, hard, hard pass. I hate hard bananas pass. and ketchup. Uh, it's fruitier than regular ketchup and caramelizes better in a marinade. We had banana ketchup on our honeymoon in St. Lucia, my wife and I, and their whole deal was just take the tomato out and put banana in its place. And I remember it being saltier than ketchup because I think ketchup's got a lot of sugar in it, but it wasn't bad. I would have liked it on something rather than a little dab on my hand. Uh, but the idea that ketchup can be made with lots of different things. Uh, eaten alive, smoked sriracha. Sign me up. Was it super spicy or what's different about that sriracha? Uh, vegetables are smoked before fermenting and it's addictive, says a French chef owner. Uh, I guess is the smoked part is different. I've tried that. <laughs> Uh, favorite is pouring it into chicken noodle soup with loads of coriander, sesame oil, and spring onion. What's the difference between smoked sriracha and sriracha? Hmm. I don't know. So you guys know what tonkatsu is? Bulldog tonkatsu sauce? Nope. Tonkatsu is a pork-based broth. I'm starting to see tonkatsu in the supermarket and in Costco. So they're actually bringing tonkatsu ramen over from Japan. Uh, it's a pork-based ramen. Crystal hot sauce. Here we go. The sauce creator, Pam Digva, a co-owner of sauce shop in Nottingham is obsessed with this new Orleans hot sauce. I'll spot it in random shops and rinse the shelf. It has this fist rinse the shelf. That's a British term. Next time you buy all of everything, you're rinsing the shelf. I like that. We're going to steal that for the show. Hashtag rinse the shelf. It has a sophisticated aged chili flavor. You don't often find mind blowing with grilled cheese toasties. Try that. That's a British thing. I'm willing to try it. Uh, Pimento Hill Scotch Bonnet Chili Jam. Oh, in honor of Augusta, pimento. Sweetness, spice, and unmistakable fiery Scotch Bonnet aroma. Okay, you guys are going to check that one out. Tahine! You guys ever had tahine? Yes, that's the like red chili salt, right? Yep. Uh, fruity Mexican hot sauces, sweet, sour, salty, spicy, used to dress up fresh fruit. They, I put it on everything. I put it on rice and I, I put it on all kinds of different stuff. But the idea is that you're supposed to put it on mango. You're supposed to put it on cantaloupe. Yes. Uh, it really pops the flavor. Pineapple's delicious. Uh, tacos Padre Salsa Matcha. This was the one that got me into this in the first place. A delicious version of this punchy Mexican combination of roasted chilies, nuts, seeds, and garlic. 
in oil. Salsa matcha. That looks like that stuff that we used to put off pad thai. Yeah, on the pad thai. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got flavor. That so a lot of these have this kind of oil base to them. Uh, Last one here is ponzu. You guys ever had ponzu? Nope. You've probably had it available to you when you go out for sushi. If you go out for sushi, that's what they said they have at the one sushi place. Huh? I'll try it. I think it's just like sweet, citrus, salty. It's uh, it's. It's good. It's it's good with uh, it's good with rice and with fish. Anyway, that's our look at thirty brilliant condiments to transform your lockdown. I got a couple on my list, but it is theguardian.com in the food section. This sauce will change your life. How to live now in the food section. Author is Tony Naylor, and that'll wrap up our headlines for this particular episode. Let's go to the crank file. My favorite part. You love the crank file. Let's introduce what the crank file is to Triple B here. Uh, okay, ladies. So we scour the internet for the weirdest content we can find, things that make us go, what the, what? Hello? And we bring it over here and we put it as a part of the headlines to close it out. And we want it to be a weird, weird story. We have two today. We saved one for our lovely guest. Uh, we're going to go first to something from the New York Post. Now, take the New York Post with a grain of salt. But this one just made me smile. Breeder creates snakes with smiley face emoji markings, sells them for $6,000. No way. How do you, you can breed that into snakes? Or they found one that had it and then you just keep breeding it. Snake breeder Justin Kobilka, hope I'm pronouncing that right, has gone viral for breeding a lavender albino ball python with smiley face emoji markings on it. A snake breeder accidentally created a python with bizarre smiley face emoji markings and sold the snake for six grand. Justin Kobilka of Georgia said he'd spent years trying to perfect a different pattern on lavender albino ball pythons before the reptile was born with three yellowish smiley faces on its side. He later had a grin himself when the smirking serpent sold for six grand, more than 60 times the price of a typical python. He said the happy accident would likely pop and only one in 20 of the snakes he bred. And so it's not on every single design, but it looks like he colored in the eyes and the mouth here. One of a kind patterns on snakes can occur naturally due to recessive gene mutations, but yellowish smiley face symbols likely would not be found in the wild. Womp, womp. I feel, I don't know. I have reservations about people playing God, you know, or like trying to breed. Uh, I don't know. Pretty what pigeon though. They have a snake with a with a smiley face on it. Just kind of dumb. Like, wouldn't, you, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you bring it to parties? No. I mean, I what? I no. wouldn't. I wouldn't get a snake. Yeah. Hard pass. Well, let's say that this was a puppy dog that had smiley faces on it. Would you pay six thousand dollars for that? No. Are you for or against the practice of uh, breeding animals for certain traits? That are this type. I mean, I'm okay if you're breeding animals so they they don't have a specific genetic issue that causes them harm down the line. For example, you know, the boxer breed of dogs has a whole wealth of issues that goes along with that breed. People just know that, right? When you when you go get that type of dog, great dogs, but you know you're in for some some hefty vet bills at the end of their life. And uh, I'm okay with trying to figure out how to get rid of those types of things, but trying to 
trying to keep breeding snakes or, or animals so that they have smiley face emojis on them. I, I, I feel like we've gone too far. What about the cuddly bears from the last episode? You booked a trip to Tahoe yet? Well, I'm for that. I, <laughs> I, I don't know. That. <laughs> but that, that happened naturally in the wild, though. <laughs> as long as it's nature. There, uh, Triple B missed that story, but I, I will give you the Cliff Notes version. In Tahoe, a place you would like to go and tra- visit, mm-hmm. there is a, a group of bears that have some kind of disease that is actually messing with their brain, forcing, or not forcing them, but they make them cuddly to humans. So they just come up and give you hugs. Bears, just that, do that. That sounds like a lot of fun, but also kind of scary, because how do you tell the scary bears from the cuddly bears? <laughs> oh, you're a cuddly one. Uh, no, these are right. extremely affectionate bears that wander into places like trunk of your car or the middle of your living room or your bathroom. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we covered that in our last episode. You can check it out, episode 23. Uh, that one, I believe, was also in the crank file. This one comes to us from knowablemagazine.org. Comes on March 23rd. Q&A evolutionary biologist Sonal Singhal, the weird biology of asexual lizards. Strap in, kids. We're going for a ride. Some lizard species do without males altogether. Scientists are studying these all-female species to see what they might reveal about the pros and cons of sex. Many organisms dedicate their entire adult lives to finding a mate and producing offspring. The rhythms of sex govern the actions and choices of so many animals that it seems to be a rule of biology. Sex is important. Pause for dramatic effect. (laughs) Hallelujah. Rice multifariousness yields some exceptions. A small percentage of animals reproduce asexually, though many of these also report sex now and then. So how does that work? Is that like, bye? Yeah. The article continues. These asexual outliers have different techniques for reproducing. Some small invertebrates create offspring by budding, growing small versions of themselves that eventually detach. Others, like some corals, can divide themselves in two. Some fish species need males around only because they require sperm to kickstart their reproductive process, even though they only rarely incorporate any genetic material from those males. And then... There are the parthenogenetic lizards, entirely female species that produce eggs with no males required. These unusual lizards, there are a few dozen such species, avoid many of the pitfalls of sex. Are they happy? Do they do random push-ups like the other lizards do? That's an excellent question. I would suppose they are. I mean, if you watched Wonder Woman, you know that everybody's happy on the island. Mm, There, yeah. The Amazons do look happy. Let's answer one of your favorite questions. Why study these lizards that don't have sex? (laughs) Most animals reproduce sexually. If we want to understand how sexual reproduction works and why it's important, it's hard to study it by looking at animals generally because everybody's doing it. So we have to look at the outliers, the organisms that opted out and are doing something different. And in particular, parthenogenesis is in some ways the most extreme form of asexuality in animals. Look, what I'm getting from this article already is this is just the beginning. Eventually, we knew this was going to happen. Women don't aren't going to need men anymore, and they're just going to eliminate us off this planet. 
<laughs> it's not happening yet, though. Not happening yet. I thought immediately of Jurassic Park. All the dinosaurs huh. in Jurassic Park are female, and yet some of them switch over as needed and then go right back. And so life yeah. finds a way. But yeah, I mean, we could be talking about tens Except of thousands of years from now or they, millions they of years from now. Them. What if the ladies take over? Yeah. Woman inherits the earth. Yeah, you know, did I ever tell you? You know, I was a store manager at a, a pet store, mm-hmm. a big pet store chain, and it was it was a good gig. But I always thought it was very interesting. All their their rodent areas. So you got the uh, the rats and the little mice and the hamsters, uh, all those types of things. You get one. Each store is assigned a sex. So. You'll only get female rats and, and hamsters and guinea pigs, and that's all you'll ever get. And then another store down the line will get only males. So that's how they prevent them in those uh, those types of stores. Well, that's a little tidbit we didn't know about. Yep. Inside Pet Stores with Leon Coventry. Oh, wealth of knowledge that's useless. Well, here's an interesting part now. So while you were recounting... Uh, your glorified pet store days. This one comes in. This is the payoff. This is the purpose of the article. So while there may be a possibility of women inheriting the earth and asexual reproduction is totally normal amongst a bunch of different species, lizards, flowers, so on and so forth. The danger, of course, comes with mutation. If you're constantly reproducing yourself, it sounds a lot like incest and inbreeding. Sexual species can purge themselves of harmful mutations through genetic recombination. Asexual species lack the opportunity for recombination and thus accumulate new harmful mutations with each generation. In the long run, this buildup known as Muller's Ratchet, that sounds like a band name, it does. may drive the asexual species to extinction. It's not unique to lizards. There's plenty of insects and other invertebrates that are also parthenogenetic. So why study lizards? The genomes of water fleas or stick insects are a lot different from vertebrate genomes. So we're studying genomes that look more like genomes that we care most about. But honestly, the number one answer is that they're cool. We're lizard biologists at heart. Hashtag why have we not cured cancer by now? Because it's cool. Why have we not cured cancer? Because we're spending time watching lizards not have sex is the reason. Today's reason why we have not cured cancer. Get it and get it. (laughs) We'll be right back. back let's get into our parenting segment uh this is kind of a bit of a leap for parenting i suppose the the previous article was more parenting than this but this one just fascinates me on a morbid level this one comes to us from bloomberg.com published on march 26 2021 america's obsession with wipes is tearing up sewer systems now (laughs) we have two children who are mess prone they make a mess all the time and so we always have that gigantic costco box of wipes it's a big gigantic cardboard box inside is probably 12 packets of those wipes and you pull them out one at a time you guys got those right yep do you flush them no no good we do not do not 
flush them. Across the U.S., cities and towns are being forced to throw more money at solving blockages as consumers buy and flush more wipes than ever. Now, I first read about this thing called a fatberg in San Francisco, where I don't know what happens in San Francisco that's particularly interesting, but it was about that building that's sinking over by the Salesforce Tower and all the other problems that San Francisco has with eliminating waste and water droughts. And it's just not a good time to be in San Francisco. Um. The article goes on to say, even before the pandemic, Americans were already flushing far too many wipes into the sewer system. After a year of staying home, the pipe clogging problem is getting worse. Sewer backups are up 50%. And Larry Hare, uh, a wastewater reclamation facility, he attributes this to the flushing of wipes, which don't break down in water like toilet paper does. Uh, We've always had the problem, but it just hasn't been as big a problem as it is currently. With consumers cleaning everything from counters to doorknobs in hopes of thwarting the coronavirus, sanitary wipes are more popular than ever. In the 12 months through late January, their sales surged 75%, according to data from Nielsen. But the blockages they create when flushed, dubbed fatbergs, have become a costly headache. The Des Moines Metropolitan Wastewater Reclamation Authority, that's a mouthful, has spent more than $100,000 over the past year and and deployed specialized block-clearing trucks about 30 times. Similar problems are plaguing cities and towns across the United States, and they're being forced to spend more time and more more and more time fixing the problem. U.S. municipalities shell out at least $1 billion annually on maintenance to remove clogs caused by wipes, National Association of Clean Water Agencies, a group that advocates for better water policies. In Charleston, South Carolina, the problem has gotten so bad during the pandemic that the city's water management agency filed a lawsuit. Last year, Washington became the first state to pass legislation requiring manufacturers to label their products do not flush. And states, including California, have also introduced bills that would mandate similar labels. What is a fatberg, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. The term fatberg originated in the UK and describes the tangled black masses of wipes and congealed cooking fat that accumulate in sewage systems. One 40 metric ton specimen under London was estimated to be the size of a double. Decker bus because oh, the clogs happen. Vomited in my mouth. Yeah, good times. Uh, I love the face you're making, B. I know you're enjoying this. Because the clogs happen further down the line, most consumers are unaware of them. This lack of visibility, combined with higher wipe sales during the pandemic, has exacerbated the problem. Says Gary Hawkins, professor in water resource management, University of Georgia. Out of sight, out of mind. We would have thought we'd see a huge drop because people are starting to go back to work, but we haven't really noticed any major decrease in the amount of wipes that we're taking out of the system. So here's the thing: people pour cooking fat down the drain; they don't think there's a problem. They flush wipes down the toilet; they don't think there's a problem. All that stuff backs up, it congeals together, and it forms an iceberg of fat, dubbed fatbergs. And the fatberg clogs the pipe so that your sewage backs up. So we're not talking about get some Roto-Rooter to clear out the hair in the drain. We're talking about a gigantic thing that they probably got to bring in an industrial drill or a truck with some hooks and pull this thing out of the pipe. Yeah, I can see this dude with a really long pole and not a happy face. I mean, that this is the definition of dirty jobs. We need, you know, what's the guy's name? Mike Rowe, Mike mm-hmm. something. He needs to get out there and try this. I need to see a fatberg. He needs to pull a fatberg out. Wipes cause more than 90% of clogs in his this department in uh, 
Bartlesville, Oklahoma, started an aggressive public awareness campaign. The pandemic has made an existing problem worse. It's not a new problem, and it likely won't end completely once people resume normal activities. Uh, just the visuals alone, I thought, would make this one very interesting. So don't. I wish I could it. wash out my eyes after the after I after watching this. This is serious. Fortunately, business. all this of is you what's happening in our sewer. Need to, you need to go out and look at, up what a fat bird looks like. So you'll never think of flushing one of those again. This one comes to us courtesy of Bloomberg City Lab. Gerald Porter Jr. was the reporter, published March 26th, 2021. You know what I get though? Like what you just did was pure gold journalism. You're making the world a better place by sharing this information with our 15 because people need to know that. I, I listen to news occasionally because I've pretty much blocked it out now because all it is is I hate you. Oh, no, I hate you. But this is the stuff that the public needs to be aware of. We, we can do something about that, Bert. Don't put it down the pipe system. Don't put it down the water. Keep the water system clean. So don't put things down the toilet. Don't put things down the drain. Toss it in the trash. You can always deal with landfills better than you can deal with plumbing clogs. You know, people have, people have to learn that. Like people are inherently, it, the more and more we, Triple B and I talk about this all the time. You have this assumption that most of the human race is fairly intelligent, has common sense. They do not. They do not have these things. Certainly not so, in a group. No. And definitely in a large group, they, they lose all common sense. But this is one of those things that I think we need to share. You, you go back in the day, I'm sure people were, were, you know, dumping their old paint down the sewer. They were throwing batteries, you know, their, their old car batteries in the trash. Eventually the word got out that said, Hey, stupid, that's a bad idea because this is making it out to the ocean or this is affecting our water supply. And people know now, you don't dump paint down the X, Y, Z. So people need to know that, but this isn't the type of hard hitting ad selling news that people want to watch anymore or don't seem to be interested in. It's barely clickbait at that. Well, the danger of a fat burg is that it's saturated fat from cooking oils mixed up with paper. And there really is no chemical compound. There's no rotor rooter that you can send down that'll melt the paper and the fat at the same time. So you probably have to send down a combination of multiple chemicals and then how do they react with each other? And on top of the fact that they're in water. So I thought fatbergs was something worthy of talking about. Uh, but the fact that they consider wipes to be 90% of the problem, that's straight up within the wheelhouse of parents. Like if everybody uses wipes, if you're a parent, they're just magical things. Don't flush them put them in the trash, send them to the landfill, burn them. Just don't make any more fat bergs. You're a wonderful human being, Danny. Well, that'll close out our Thank parenting you. segment, sir. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do we have any, you have any good parenting stories? Nothing happened? Uh, over Easter? I, I had some, I had some interesting interactions with, with my boys. And I think I'm going to probably put this into a blog post, but, uh, we talked about this, I think, last episode of the episode before about how getting up early is probably one of the better ways to get involved in fitness, because if you roll out of bed and get into the gym and you sweat, 
that's one good way to wake yourself up and get more energy throughout the day. What I like to do in the summertime in Phoenix, because it gets so hot is I like to roll out to the pool. If I can't roll out to the pool, I'll turn the jacuzzi on before I go in to work out and then it'll be warm by the time I'm done. And something about that, like dad's in a captive environment where he can't escape. Both of my boys are getting up early now and coming downstairs and going, did you go in the hot tub, dad? No, not, not today, buddy. I don't know what that is, but that is something very unique to at least my children. And I think that uh, I was going to try and draw a correlation between parenting and being a boss. The idea is that you're always being watched. No matter what, they're always watching you. They always want to know what you're doing. You're always an example for them. So be very cognizant of what you're doing while they could be watching you. And the idea that I want to go out and sit in the hot tub before I start my day, I'm not going out to have a drink. I'm not having any snacks. I just, I go out there and I sit and it's, uh, it's, you know, some people might use that time for prayer. I use it for maybe TM or just, just a chance to clear your head. And it's kind of fun to see the sun come over the foothills. Uh, but that was a funny story that I, that I wanted to recount is they're both up dressed, ready for me. So that when I come out from the garage back into the house, you going in the hot tub? No, no guys, not today but that anticipation i thought was just one time with dad special and i think that's what it is and kids have a nose for understanding when you have that personal time and you are appreciating your personal time they find it and they take it from you (laughs) i'm sorry personal time yeah what is that i don't i know and you guys are not familiar with that I don't, yeah. I, and on some level, yeah, on some level, I wonder, and we talked about, it, I don't know, I don't know if one or two or three or four are easier or harder. No, I've heard many different, hard I've heard many different theories, but one during a pandemic with no other sibling to play with mm. is exhausting. Oh yeah. Because they can't go play with others. They can't, this was a tough year to have one child as a toddler. I'm going to take it a step further and say, I don't think it matters. Pandemic or not, I think this age is exhausting. Yeah. Does she seek you guys out to do what you're doing? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That was what I I took from it was this was my time with myself and they wanted to come up because they come out and they stick their feet in the hot tub and they just sit with me, you know, and I'll ask them, what do you guys want to talk about? And sometimes they don't want to talk about anything. They just want to sit there with me. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't interrupt my qualm, you know, but. Um, I would say it adds to it. Those are the moments you're going to remember anyway. Yeah. Mornings, mornings out in the water. I see you pulled up an uh, interesting picture here. It's a We're going to talk about picture. this after the break because I want to give some time to our guests since she was gracious enough to come join us. So let's, uh, let's go have a, a word from our sponsor for the people who are paying for the show. And we'll come back and we'll talk about. Because I'm, I'm, I'm so curious. I'm going to explode. What is an infinity bottle? We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, we are joined today. 
on our Brown Bulletin on this 8th of April in the year 2021 by a friend of the show, Busty Bourbon Batch from Instagram. Hello, lady. Hello. I pulled up a picture here of you throwing in a Basil Hayden bottle into a very nice crystal decanter. Yes. And the I believe from Costco. Says, I'm worn out from hosting Easter, but I'm excited because we started an infinity bottle kicking off with Basil Hayden's bottle kill. You've seen a lot of infinity bottles recently and you were intrigued enough to give it a try. Well, I'm intrigued enough to ask if he would be so kind. Infinity bottle. Go. It's basically your own mix of alcohol. So obviously bourbon is our choice, but uh, you just put in your own. You can, you can do however much you want, whatever you want. I think the way we're going to try and do it is like when we get to the end of a bottle, we'll just put the end of the bottle in. So sometimes when you don't have enough for a full glass or mm. if you both want a glass, you don't have enough for each other. You just go ahead and throw that in the infinity bottle. And there are no rules other than whatever you want to go in there. So I think we're kind of going to go with the approach of things we like. Uh, Cause if we don't like something, then I don't care how it plays with others. I don't want to drink it. Um, and then We'll see how that goes. And maybe some of the nicer ones we're not going to throw in, but. Yeah, but I do, I do like the idea of the infinity bottle and having it something that, that, that is the last sip of the bottle or that's the last glass of the bottle. And it will go into the infinity bottle that will never end because basically you're just creating a blend in a bottle, right? Of all the, yeah, a new blend of all your favorite stuff. It will always change. It will always morph. And it's something that I think on special occasions or when you have uh, people like Danny come over to visit, then you break out the infinity bottle and you see what the heck you just created. I think it's going to be better than the twigs we brought home from the Dominican Republic where we were to make our own alcohol. By the way, have you ever tried Mama Juana? It yes. sounds illegal, but it's yeah, not. It's very illegal. <laughs> Did you try and get one back into the country? No, Mama Wana? They yes. sell it. They yeah, sell you can it. bring it in. You can? Yeah. Yeah, you can bring it in. Yeah, they've, oh, got, wow. they've got bottles of it. But the lesson we learned Has is that changed? don't don't cheap out and get the bottle where you make your own Mama Wana. Go ahead and get the seasoned bottle that already has the alcohol. Pro tip. Uh, I see. Yes, I, I did have some we mama wana so in the succeed. DR, and there was a bottle that came back and was on the desk of our sales manager at the time. Uh, I was led to believe that that was smuggled back in. No, I don't think so. I, I mean, they, they sold at the gift shop yeah, and at the airport. It. So, oh, well, at least duty when, free? Yeah. yeah, duty free. Yeah. Well, it's good to keep the yang up, from what I understand. <laughs> we didn't realize <laughs> we were at, we were there for our honeymoon, as you know, and uh, <laughs> people kept saying, oh, honeymoon, here's Mama Juana. We're like, why do people keep giving us Mama Juana? And then we went. Then to, we saw a statue. Yeah. Then we went to a gift shop. Uh, we all know the statue we're talking about. Yeah. The statue uh, had three legs, if you know what I'm talking about. And the guy said. Oh, Mama Wana, right? Right? And, and, and I'm like, spoke, oh. No, he, he didn't talk anything else we understood, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we oh, that's what it does. Good okay. times. All right, I'd like to, uh, I'd like to give the floor to 
triple B here. I'm looking over some of these posts on your Instagram feed and some of them are exceedingly good. I mean, it's, you have a wonderful eye for this stuff. Uh, I want to throw this one out here because this one caught my eye immediately. Uncle Nearest, 1856. Can you talk about this one? It was really good. It was really smooth. I wouldn't say that before the last, maybe even six months, I've really gone for anything other than bourbon, but this one was a whiskey and I thought I'd give it a try and it was delicious. And this is actually behind your house? Yeah. Because this looks like wine country the way you framed it. Yeah, no. I've got the views. That's the backyard. Is there anything specific that you look for? I mean, some of these are very clearly you're you're hanging out and and the lighting is just right. But some of these look like you really stage them. Like this Eagle Rare one is very much like you you took this on a hike with you. Yeah, I put in the stroller and then I put a bunch of bourbon underneath and I went for a walk and took pictures with all my friends. They turned out beautiful. The sky really depends on the clouds. Is what I've kind of figured yeah, out. This, this blue is pretty wicked. It was, Are you doing all uh, this with your phone? Yeah, my like iPhone 8. I need an upgrade. I can't wait to see what I can do with an upgrade. That's Lake Arrowhead you're looking at now. Yeah, so this oh, one here with bad. the Barrel bottle is, is you got a little bit of ice here, which is nice. And then you got a nice, wonderful picture of Lake Arrowhead in the back. And then the blue in the top and the blue of the lake. Uh, you frame it. You got a wonderful composition in how you frame it. Thank you. There was another one here. Well, that one, let's just pause for the weller and the sand at the beach. Well done. Yes, thanks. That was a good one. That where was, was a this? great this, picture. You, where in San Diego was this? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a great story. It's just south of Carlsbad. Uh, okay. And interesting story there is that was a, that was an impromptu trip that we pretty much just, you know, shot down there for an hour or it's an hour to drive away got an Airbnb for the night. And of course, Triple B over here brings a bunch of bourbon with her to take on different possible shoot locations. And so we look like a bunch of hobo alcoholics with bottles walking around. Look, with Weller and bourbon and plants, there's no way we look like hobos. It's, it's probably it's ridiculous. True, but <laughs> we luxury hobos. We're luxury Some hobos. Some guy told us the hobos. bottle was uh, 40 years old because of the horse top. Yeah. That was... So you play around with color. You got some nice black and whites here. You got uh, got the eagle rare by the hot tub. How's the hot tub going, by the way? I saw the crane. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I love the hot tubs. Magic. I can't believe we we had the jacuzzi brand was worth it. Oh, there you go. Hashtag jacuzzi. Give us a free one. But uh, yeah, we refund us. (laughs) Refund us. (laughs) I don't want a second. Yeah, we only need. We don't have a big enough yard. No, it's it's. It's a game changer, especially, you know, aging sucks. I, I don't know, you know, how old the, the 15 are that are listening, but once you get, you know, get going in your life and you're picking up kids and your back hurts all the time and your muscles hurt all the time, it's a game changer. We, I mean, I honestly feel very, you know, lucky, blessed, whatever. Na- name your Name your adjective on how how lucky we feel that we could have something like that because oh, I know a lot of people can't, but you know, and we're, we're, we're paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> we're, yeah. It's uh, we're sacrificing a lot of other things we could be doing in our life for it, but it's, it was the very first thing we did when we 
found out we our offer was accepted on this house. Uh, we knew we needed a refrigerator. We knew we needed carpet. We knew we needed paint. And the first thing we did was go to jacuzzi Hot tub. Absolutely. To, to browse and ended up just signing the paperwork. Was it, like, Black Friday? it was Black Friday. It was that Black was our Friday. Black Friday purchase. Yeah, we're, you jacuzzi empty right? on Black Friday in case anyone no. is wondering as well. No, we were at a jacuzzi store. Hmm. So, one more part to you. I'd like to close out our discussion of Busty Bourbon Batch at Instagram with my favorite, of course, because it was in my <laughs> house. But uh, I, I really like this one because I don't look at my house as being this awesome. So, I want to thank you for framing it. Oh, in your such house a way. is beautiful. This was the Colonel Taylor Small Batch, and this was the first of our bottled and bond exposure which of course became a a uh, section of our brown bracket that was yeah you night. were very you were very brave that night you know i you you went yeah hey, whatever pour it i'll drink it let's let's see how it goes and that was we four of our best i think we we saved we for a trip for we you. brought the good stuff we had weather we had blanton's we had colonel taylor um it was an interesting oh, night one? for for sampling so yeah. looking forward to round two and we can actually film a live episode oh, so congratulations yeah. on your work i hope more brands contact you i hope you get a lot more credit for this work that you're doing because uh it's just an iphone but you're doing great stuff with it well thank you thank you all right brother that wraps us up for our brown bulletin for this week april 8th many thanks to special guest busty bourbon batch from instagram many many Good lucks to you, sister, on your future success with your Instagram feed. Lots more good pictures. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, it's an art form, and you're killing it. Well, uh, thank you. We'll be back again next week to finish off our brown bracket, which I believe we're up to round five. Yeah, that's it. It's finals. Round five, and we'll close it out. It's finals between uh, our two contenders, which you can guess. Check it out in the Make It a Double section, which is our bonus episode for what will probably be episode 24 of the pod going up in the next few days. Uh, we'll see you again on April 15th. Take it easy, Leon. Danny, it's been a pleasure. Take it easy, B. Peace out. This place is dead anyway, man. <laughs>